Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri, and today I'm going to look at a topic that we really like on the Class X Podcast, whether it's John and I or just myself, we like to look at the 90s. And so this documentary series that I'm going to look at is called The 90s Greatest, and I'm looking at a specific episode. The episode is called is episode 10 of the series. It's a 10-episode series, and it's called Generation Wired. So I like the series. I like the series. I like the episode. If a few of the points I make is that I, I enjoy the fact that they are 22-minute long episodes. You know, a lot of the documentaries that we get are like one, two, three hour hours long. Sometimes there are like so many parts to the series. And it's almost intimidating. You don't want to tackle it because of how intimidating it is. But this series, just 22 minutes long, you can jump into any episode and you really leave with some major points about the culture, about the society. And in this episode, Generation Wired, the main points are that coffee culture developed as Starbucks developed in the late 90s. Grunge music was significant. And Steve Jobs was really significant to our culture. And they really break down why and how. And I just think that's cool to break it down so fast and so efficiently. Because, you know, it's a busy world. We all, we're all we all busy with our work, our, our uh, responsibilities. And this documentary just sort of hammered home the main points. Almost like a efficient PowerPoint presentation, you know? So I like the, I like the documentary series. It's on, it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, and it's really, it's really good. So to me, what I like about the 90s, and I think you've probably seen this covered a few times on this podcast, is the idea that, you know, we can now reflect on it and see it as history. And as we're doing that, you sort of see some similar themes. I saw a lot of similarities between the Klosterman book, the Chuck Klosterman 90s book that I, co- that I covered a few episodes ago, and this series which is kind of cool. And it made me wonder, and I know this is a theory with ideas, how ideas generate in different areas at at the same time. It's pretty cool to think about, you know, a lot of times ideas, it's not plagiarism. People just develop the same ideas in different spots. And I thought that this one, you know, because I just talked about the, the Klosterman book and his ideas, I thought this one just, it just, there were so many similarities. So that was a, that was a cool experience to have. And, you know, if you like the nineties, if you like uh, Nirvana and uh, just the, the cafe culture, and the, if you want to know how it sort of developed, I'll go into it a little bit in this, in this podcast episode. So thanks for listening to the class X podcast. We really appreciate the new subscribers. If you've subscribed or if you are a longtime listener, please share it with a friend, family member, anyone you know who likes culture podcasts. Uh, we try to be thoughtful. We, we try to focus on a thoughtful podcast where people can reflect not only on the topics that we're talking about here, but maybe on their lives as well uh, and connecting these topics to their to, to your own life, really. So really appreciate you listening. I hope you continue to listen. Thanks for subscribing and I'll see you after the music. Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. 
I'm your host, Shukri, and today I'm going to be looking at a fun documentary series from National Geographic, and it's called The 90s Greatest. Uh, there's a specific episode that I gravitated to in the series. Uh, it's episode 10, and it's called Generation Wired. Uh, this I, I like this episode a lot. I think you, you will, too, if you, if you end up watching it. Uh, the series itself covers everything 90s, so if you, if you skim through the catalog, you'll probably find what's right for you. I was looking through it and seeking an episode for my class. And so I chose this Generation Wired episode, but I could have watched any of these for my own personal uh, entertainment, my own interest. Personally, I like the fact that these episodes are 22 minutes long each. They're very, very watchable. And, and they leave you with this feeling that you learn something at the end. It's kind of like a good lecture or a good podcast, you know, short, concise, doesn't take too long, but it leaves you with something memorable. Uh, I've always appreciated that philosophy, and this show definitely has that. Sometimes the, uh, the two-hour documentaries are a little difficult to get through and a little dull. So this one really hit a lot of the main points in a really short amount of time. I, I appreciate that. I think a lot of people are busy, you know, and it's nice when a, when a documentary realizes that. So what is this episode covering itself? Uh, I guess you could say... It's discussing Generation X, the music of Gen X and the 90s, the television, the technology, and the, the environment that Gen X engaged with. So it's kind of like the, the Klosterman book in a lot of ways. Actually, I saw a lot of carryover between the two, which is interesting. You know, I, when ideas carry over... Some would say, oh, that's maybe there's plagiarism involved, but I, I don't think so. I think what's fascinating about ideas and cultural analysis or any kind of development of ideas is that oftentimes people come up with the same ideas in different places. And that's that's something that you you see here if you compare it to the Klosterman, the Chuck Klosterman book, which I covered a few episodes ago with the, the 90s podcast. The doc itself defines Generation X uh, as the generation that was all about chilling out. So this is a chill out generation. Uh, and the place that represents that the most was Starbucks, the, the, which was really fascinating to think about Starbucks and the development of Starbucks. Uh, the Starbucks portion of the documentary was really good. It's the first part of it. And it was I think it was my favorite part. You get a couple of things. First, you get the, the history of Starbucks, Howard Schultz going to Italy and feeling inspired by this experience, you know, seeing the espresso machines and wanting to recreate that, which is really funny because they talk about how Americans would drink coffee before Starbucks. It was just diner, you know, Denny's kind of stuff and gross coffee. So there was a, a revolution in, in the consumption of coffee and what coffee looked like and tasted like because of Starbucks, because he was, because of the global world, really, and Schultz seeing what was going on in Italy. So that was kind of cool, a little bit of the background history. You also get a theory, which I'm going to refer to a few times in this podcast. And this theory that's referenced in relation to Starbucks is called the third places theory. The third places theory is all about places that people go. And these are places that people go to that are not our home, not our work, but where you can engage with your friends. So it's like the third place. You have your home, first place, work, second place. The third place can be a lot of things. Starbucks became that. So I'm fascinated by this 
third place idea. We definitely need these places, right, in our society. And in the 90s, we would go to places like the mall as a third place and other places. I, I recall my father and his friends, they would meet up and I would follow along as a little kid. They, they would meet up at uh, the donut shop. And the donut shop was sort of the third place, you know, to talk to your friends, to meet up, to discuss politics and whatever else you want to discuss. So that was sort of a that was sort of a third place before Starbucks was invented. So I find this this idea kind of interesting, and uh, I think it's something to reflect on. You know, what was the third? What are the third places now? I guess they are still cafes, cafes to meet up at, uh, maybe. Maybe third places are also internet, you know, Zoom. <laughs> Maybe that makes up a third place. But either way, what happened in the 90s was that the third place being the cafe, it was popularized by a show. And I don't know if you know what show I'm talking about. Uh, it wasn't Seinfeld, because I know that's always associated with the 90s. But it was actually Friends. Friends was, according to the documentary, actually, they argue that Friends popularized the cafe as a hangout spot, as a third place. They argue that Friends sort of legitimized the cafe culture for many Americans, which is kind of interesting. It actually made me think of a show that I love that we've done a podcast of called Frasier and how if you went to a cafe, according to the show Frasier, you were a snob. You know, ordering a latte was something that a snob would do. It was funny to the American public. So this is early to late 90s. Frazier was making fun of people who went to who had the cafe culture as part of their culture. So fast forward 10 years and all of a sudden it's the norm. That's fascinating, I think. I think it's really fascinating. So one more thing about the, the this idea of a third place, which I think gets forgotten, especially with the 90s, is that you know what we had a few go-to places. It made me reflect on this as I was watching. Like, what were our go go-to places? as a third place in the 90s. And so I listed off a few, and maybe you can list off a few with me or brainstorm wherever you're at. Because the first one that came to my mind, I thought of video rental stores. I remember meeting up with friends, going to video rental stores like Hollywood, Blockbuster Video, and these were third places. We would really, and you could talk to the person working there who was kind of like an expert on movies. So that was a third place. Also music stores. We had a store called The Warehouse in, in, in Vacaville where I grew up. And that was a big one where we would meet up as a third place. And I, the last one that I, I put on my list is just the mall in general, which may have included both the video rental store and the music store experience. So the mall was definitely a third place. I mentioned that because these places were not mentioned. They just focused on Starbucks in the documentary, which I think... To me, Starbucks was more of a late 90s, early 2000s phenomenon, at least in my world. So that was a little bit of a different experience that I had than what was being described in the actual documentary. So the doc then shifts. So from Starbucks and the influence of Starbucks, which, by the way, originated in Seattle, right? The doc shifts then to music, specifically the music of Nirvana. So for me, you know, while I like... Nirvana. Now I do. I didn't really like them that much in the 90s. It just wasn't my thing. So this was interesting for me to watch because I wasn't really engaged with grunge music in the 90s. This part of the doc reminded me a lot of what I referenced before the Klosterman book because he talks a lot about 
about Nirvana and their music. So it's funny to see these ideas over and over again. Uh, well, in, in my opinion, and obviously in the opinion of most people, Nirvana was a huge part of the 90s. Uh, their singer specifically, Kurt Cobain, was clearly the driving force. And, and he really, really influenced the culture. They were also from, as I said before, Seattle. So you have that Seattle cultural influence which I honestly never reflected on before this documentary. The culture coming from Seattle, from coffee culture to grunge music was really influential and has had a, a huge influence over American culture and even world culture. And that, that the city of Seattle actually did that. So that's pretty cool. Nirvana also really represented Generation X. If you think about what's Gen X, I, I think you do think about Kurt Cobain and Nirvana. They didn't, and, and think about these ideas. They didn't want to sell out to corporate influence. At least this is their gimmick in a sense. They were anti-celebrity, anti-fame, and they were rebellious, right? These were all Gen X values. But this is the thing that's really fascinating about Nirvana. And this gets emphasized a lot by Courtney Love in the documentary. They actually wanted all the things they were rejecting. They really, really wanted fame. So this was actually given a lot of time in the documentary and Courtney Love was given a lot of time in the documentary, but it's not just a Courtney Love perspective. I, I listened to a Dave Grohl book. He was the drummer for Nirvana and the lead singer of the Foo Fighters now. And he basically confirmed this. Nirvana wanted fame. So while the gimmick or the persona or the characters that they were playing were, you know, Gen X, I don't want fame. I don't want money. I don't want corporate influence. The reality is they wanted to be the Beatles. So it's kind of a fascinating story. And the, you know, the ideology of Gen X was really a big part of that. So I found that I always find that sort of interesting. I've always found the, I don't care, but I really do care persona to be fascinating because it's obviously not real. I mean, all people care. We all want to be part of something, right? And most people want to be liked. There's no one really who doesn't want to be liked unless they have some sort of issue so i think this whole nirvana part portion was really really fascinating and some questions like was kurt cobain the last genuine rock star so like you know we have napster we have the the decline of rock as hip-hop becomes the popular pop music so was Kurt Cobain the last big rock star? That's a question that is asked. And I, I think that's kind of a fascinating question to think about because he does represent that lead rock singer that uh, we saw in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and then the early 90s. But you don't see it as often, I guess, anymore. So that's kind of fascinating. The decline of rock music is a fascinating topic that we don't, talk about that as much because it's still around, but it's not around in the way, it's not as powerful over the culture as it used to be. The doc of leaves Nirvana and leaves Seattle and it shifts to, and it ends with Steve Jobs. I, I thought this was the weakest part of the documentary, but there were two points that intrigued me. One was that Jobs kind of struggled and then he went to Pixar and because of the the success of Toy Story in 1995, Jobs was able to make a lot of money and, and really establish or reestablish his reputation. I thought that was interesting because without Toy Story, this movie that really launched Pixar, 
you don't get Steve Jobs and Apple. And who knows where our culture would be now if we didn't have that? You know, who knows where the whole everything that we have related to the iPhone would be without that, right? Another point that I thought was interesting from the Steve Jobs part was that the iMac was, you know, gained influence in the late 90s. And a lot of people purchased the iMac. And I really didn't have one. So I didn't really ever think about the iMac and the features. But when you look at the iMac's features, it's very simple. It's very user-friendly, fast internet access. I mean, it's pretty much the iPhone or the iPad. And I thought that was kind of funny to see the the, the similarities between those things. I, I don't have any, you know, much to say about the Steve Jobs part because I've, I've seen it a few times. I've seen it uh, on other documentaries and I'm just not as fascinated by it. But if you are, there is a Steve Jobs section. I think he's looked at, I, I would say this, if I have an opinion on it, I do think Jobs is looked at as more influential more influential in the 90s because of what occurred later in terms of the development and the popularity of the iPhone, right? So that's kind of a fascinating question to me is, is Jobs really influential in the 90s the way they think he was? I think he was important, don't get me wrong, but do we exaggerate his influence because of the success of the iPhone and everything that goes along with that and the culture that was created from, from Apple in the 2000s? So I recommend this series. It's fun. It's short. I kind of get personally, I know I'm a history teacher, but I get bored with long documentaries, maybe because I'm around them a lot for my job. But I, I appreciate this idea of 22 minutes long, we're just going to hit you with the main points. It's almost like a entertaining PowerPoint or something, you know, something like that. And I appreciate that. I think that's really a, a cool way to approach a documentary series. And it left me with, you know, some big points. Like I understand that Steve Jobs was important. I understand that the coffee culture was important, that Friends as a show legitimized the cafe culture. It really hit on important things. And you leave the documentary feeling like, you know what? I think I learned something, you know? So I recommend the documentary series. I think you would like it if you're interested in the 90s. There's a lot of 90s doc documentaries. CNN has has their own 90s. CNN basically goes through all the decades. And that's also entertaining in itself. But I like this one because it felt a little bit more academic, but they still kept it interesting. So I, I appreciate that. It, it fit the classroom really well. So thanks for listening to the Classics Podcast. Uh, I'll be back next week, either with a Bridgerton podcast with John or something else. So we, pre we appreciate all the uh, new Overcast subscribers. Uh, if you subscribed and you're listening and you like it, please share it with a friend. You know, this is a podcast that where we take pride in thinking about cultural issues, philosophical issues in a serious way, not just repeating what everyone's saying, but analyzing and critical thinking and trying to come at ideas and issues from an independent perspective rather than just repeating just your typical left-right narrative that you hear a lot in our culture and in pretty much every culture. So we really appreciate you for, for subscribing and uh, hope you listen next week. So thanks for listening to the Classics Podcast. I'll see you next week.